Welcome to the Renovate Podcast. This week at Renovate, Dr. Ted Kitchens, our senior pastor, steps into our pulpit to continue our series on the stories Jesus told. He'll be teaching from a parable in Luke chapter 14. Enjoy. Thank you, team. Good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you. We're going to need some lights up just a little bit. I need some help uh, this evening. I need to pass out those, uh, those blue sheets right over there, men. Um, most people don't realize that our Savior, uh, the carpenter from Nazareth, Jesus, was uh, also a tremendous party dude. Uh, seriously, he was. He went to tons of parties. We know that because he had a reputation of being a, a wine-bibber and a glutton. Can you believe that? People called Jesus a wine-bibber and a glutton, which meant he drank too much and he ate too much. Now, he was accused of that. Those things were obviously weren't true because we know he actually never sinned, even though drinking is not a sin and overeating maybe in some situations is not a sin. But he was a party guy. He loved to go to parties. He had a tremendous um, insight into uh, manners, etiquette, what was right and what was what was wrong. In fact, uh, his decorum, his civility, his politeness uh, were all things that he was known for. He had great manners when he went to parties. His etiquette was fantastic. Um, so what I, what I want to do tonight is talk with you a little bit about manners. We're in a series about the parables, I understand, right? And uh, there's an obscure parable from Luke chapter 14. In fact, that parable is on the back of that sheet, that worksheet you got there. And we're going to look at that. We're going to unpack it tonight and talk a little bit about manners, about etiquette, what's appropriate uh, in the world in which we live as Christians. Now, what I'd like to do is uh, I'd like to take this, maybe let you take this quiz. We're going to just kind of work our way through it when, when everybody gets one. Do you need to lights up a little bit more so you can see uh, the, to read it? Can you get your cell phone out and read it a little bit? <clears throat> there you go. But while you're... Is, well, they're passing it out. I got a couple of Christmas jokes, you know. Uh, well, you know, I hate to waste a good audience, a good ripe audience. Uh, what do you get when you cross Santa with a duck? Loads of presents, then a bill. <laughs> rough crap, rough crap, rough crap, Bill. Hey, I'm not finished. What's Santa's favorite singer? Who was Santa's favorite singer? Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley. Okay, no, no kidding. This is a good one here. This is a good one. Who is Randolph's favorite singer? Rudolph the, Ran the Reindeer. Ran Rudolph's favorite. Who's his favorite singer? Beyonce. Beyonce. <laughs> you, you told me they were a rough crowd. I didn't realize how rough they really were. Get him down, huh? Okay. Look at the, uh, how sharp are your manners? This comes from the American uh, Society for Etiquette. So I want to work through these with you because honestly, Jesus had superb manners. Christians, you should have them. I'm really actually awesome surprised that today, nobody teaches etiquette and manners in schools anymore. We actually do have one lady in our church, honestly, who for her life taught for money table manners, how to eat, where your fork's supposed to go, 
what to do, what not to do when you're in a, any kind of a social setting. And so it, this is from the American Society for Good Etiquette here. So I just want to go through these with you. If you sc- and score yourself, just in, mentally, if you score an 8 to 10, then, then you're ready to dine with Prince Harry and, and, and Meghan Markla, you know. But if you score a 4 to 7, then you're a typical crass American uh, alongside me. And if you score 1 to 3, well, then you, you're... You'd fit right in with Jethro, Bodine, and the Beverly Hillbillies, or maybe the Flintstones. I also have, by the way, a, a surprise, uh, what I call a bonus question at the end. So here we go. According to the proper etiquette, you should open your napkin when? As soon as you sit down, A. B, when the food serves. C, when the hostess takes up her napkin. Or what napkin? Most of us don't have a napkin. We just wipe our mouth with our hand. Or with our, what's the answer? No, actually, not A. It's C, only when the hostess picks up her napkin. You see what I'm saying, folks? Most of you didn't get that right. Slobs, Ben, these are slobs. These people are crass Americans right here. Number two, while sitting at the dinner table, you feel a sneeze coming on. How do you handle the situation? Quickly, you get up or leave the table, A, B, cover your face with your hands and hold the sneeze in. And of course, the food blows out your nose, unfortunately. C, turn the, your face toward the hostess and let her rip. Or D, turn your head away from the table and sneeze into a handkerchief. Hey, who said A? No, it's D. <laughs> Holy smokes. American Academy of Etiquette says it's D. I'm on, this is on good authority, you people. It's three. What should be cleared from the table before serving dessert to your guests? What should be cleared from the table before serving dessert to your guests? What? Everything except the water, the saucer, and the cup for coffee. Every time we have people over at our home, I just sit there. Lynn cleans everything else off the table, and then we have our dessert. How are you doing? Everybody doing okay? Anybody? Jethro Bodine and the Beverly Hillbillies. Four, which way should food be passed around the table? Come on, tell me you got this one right. Always to the left, never to the right. Never to the right. By the way, let me teach you something I was going to teach you in the beginning, and I got off of some good Christmas jokes. You, you're going to be invited to parties this, this season. You may have already been invited to a couple parties. Where it's a table that should serve eight, but because the host or hostess are cheap or it's a fundraising banquet, they put 10 people around the table. You've been to those situations, have you? Ten, I mean, you're just packed. You're shoulder to shoulder around this table that should seat eight or 10 of you or more. And there's a, bus, a biscuit here, a bun, or there's a drink here, and there's all this silverware, and then up here is the gravy, and over here is the sauce, and here's the salt and pepper, and there's a centerpiece, and you're just shoulder to shoulder, and you don't know which drink is yours. Or which bread is yours, right? You've been there before? Can you pay close attention because I'm going to teach you how to have good etiquette according to the American Society of Good Etiquette. Watch this. Which is your bread and which is your drink? Stick your hand under the table and do, just do this. B for bread, D for drink. <laughs> hey, folks, this is golden. This is going to save you some embarrassment. I know it's going to happen to you. What's going to happen is you're going to get at a party just in the next few weeks and say, oh, thank God for Pastor Ted. Excuse me, you're eating my bun. 
excuse me, you're drinking my drink. According to the American Society of Good Etiquette. Okay, number four. Uh, number five, if you're eating a jelly sandwich with some of the jelly drip, drips, or it could be also spaghetti sauce, drips onto your tie, you should do what? And Ben, listen carefully. I've seen you do this before. <laughs> Lift up your tie and lick it off. A. B, turn the tie around so the stain can't be seen. Makes perfect sense. C, inconspicuously scrape off the jelly with a knife and put it back on the table. Or plate, rather. D, save it for a snack later in the day. Which one? No, it's C. You inconspicuously take a knife, scrape it off, put it back on the table, and back away. <laughs> That's the truth. That's what you do. See, you folks are crude. I'm glad I'm here tonight, Ben. Josh, I'm glad I'm here tonight because this group has embarrassed me already. Six, which way should you tip your soup? a bowl to scoop out the last spoonful. First, understand this, you should never try to scoop out the last spoonful, but let's assume that you want to. Which way should you move your bowl? To you or away from you? Away from you, that's right. Never to you. Don't ever do this at the table. You always away and you scoop like this. Man. Seven, this is, you're not gonna get this one right. Seven. Do you butter the entire piece of bread before eating it with your meal? Okay, tell me how you're supposed to do it. American Society for Etiquette. Yes, you take a pat of butter, you put it on there. Excuse me, chomp, chomp. Another pat of butter, chomp, chomp, till it's all gone. Number eight, is it proper to cut up all of your meat before starting to eat your meal? Oh, it's, it's only for small children do you do that. If you've got a big slab of steak, what do you do? You cut a piece off. You look to the person next to you and say, this is the delightful evening, isn't it? And you take one bite. You wait till, you're, you, then you want, till it's gone. You don't cut the whole thing up. I've seen some of you do it. It's gross. You cut it all up. You got these pieces all over your table. It's horrible. Number nine. Is it ever permissible to put your elbows on the table? If so, when? Yes, it is permissible. Yes, it is. According to the American Society of Etiquette, it's permissible before the meal is served and in between the main courses. Mm, mm, mm. Number 10, during a formal dinner, you drop some of your peas on the hostess's carpet. What should you do? Listen carefully, Josh. Smash them into the rug with your shoe, if the carpet, especially if it's green, so it blends in. I think I've actually seen Casey do that once at a dinner we went to together. B, push them into your shoe, push them with your shoe under another guest's chair. Most of you have done that probably. C, reach down and retrieve them. D, none of the above, of the above. Which one is it? Actually, it's D, none of the above. Here's what you're supposed to do according to the American Academy of Etiquette. You leave the peas alone until you can unobtrusively reach down under your chair, pick them up, and put them in your sock. Okay, that's good. Now, how did you all do? Do you pretty good? Anybody do a, a eight or nine? You get to dine with the, oh, really? You did good. Oh, excellent. 
So you guys have been trained in all this, haven't you, already? Okay, I've, I do have a bonus question for you. It's when should you dunk? Dunk anything. When should you dunk anything? What? Okay, the answer is, the right answer, according to the American Academy of Etiquette, is never, ever dunk unless you're alone. <laughs> Truly, unless you're alone. Okay, well, I hope you all did pretty well. I hope you learned something. Here's what's most important, because you'll be using that practically here in just a couple of, couple of days, if not sooner. Okay, let's look at a text tonight on a parable. We're studying the parables. Uh, and we just have a few minutes together here. This is a parable in Luke chapter 14. You don't need a Bible. If you have one, do turn there, but it's on the back of your, uh, of your uh, quiz I just gave you there on etiquette. Uh, Jesus is an honored guest at a big banquet. Now, in the ancient days, here's how they did banquets. They invite guests, and usually, whether it be an indoor or outdoor setup, it was always in a horseshoe shape, and the guest of honor was seated by the host or hostess at the very top of the horseshoe. Usually they sat next to them on either side and servants would inside the horseshoe or outside the horseshoe serving these individuals. That's how the ancients did a big time party. You know, Jesus went to a lot of parties, as I said earlier, in John chapter 2, the very first miracle he ever performed was at a wedding at a place called Cana of Galilee. And what did he do there that was so amazing? Remember what he did with the, with the water? He turned it into what? Wine, yeah. And that was an amazing thing because that's the first miracle he performed in front of the disciples and the scripture says they believed. Well, he was a guest there, not the guest of honor, but he was a guest, and he was invited to parties constantly. He was a mystery to ancient Israel, to the people of Israel. Uh, the religious leaders despised him, but it's interesting. Often they would invite him to these parties and banquets so they could trap him in some way, dis disrespect him, some way point out that he, he is disobeying the laws of God. And so it, it was a, a difficult time for him, but he went to tons of parties and he had a reputation of being a wine bibber, drinking too much wine and a glutton. None of those, as I said earlier, were true, but nevertheless, because he went to so many banquets, parties, weddings, and feasts, and that's where we pick up the story here in Luke chapter 14. This is a parable. We're going to unpack it here in just a second, but let's look at it together. Beginning in verses 1 through 6. You can read on the back of your sheet there if you want. On Sabbath, which is the, that's the holy day for the Jews. That was actually be Saturday for us. On the Sabbath day, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. So immediately you know, this is a big time banquet. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the land at that time. Interestingly enough, they were also pretty rich. Uh, doesn't speak too well for, for them, but they were. And they were watching him carefully. You can circle that. Something's up. He's been invited to this banquet. Something's up. They're watching him. The text is very clear. Carefully. He's the guest of honor. He's seated at the top of the horseshoe. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. Now, this is pretty weird in my opinion because it was common in those days for the poor to come to these banquets when it was over and sometimes eat off the plate or eat the leftover food. But we don't have any sense here that this was at the end of the banquet. This was in the middle of the banquet when food was being served. And, and this gentleman with dropsy was invited to come. Now, what's dropsy? Well, it's a pretty, uh, it's, it's a pretty difficult disease. 
what we know about it is it's either caused by the liver or by the kidneys, but it caused a swelling of the body. So you were sort of uh, retaining a lot of water and, and sick looking, very ill, very distracting. So we know this man with dropsy was invited to come. Actually, he was probably retrieved and brought there to discredit Jesus. Um, you, you wouldn't have a party, invite someone who's super sick to come to the party. So they're, they're watching him to see what he might do. They wanted to catch him, trap him in doing something that they thought was wrong. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees. There were lawyers there. By the way, they would say in those days it was not lawful to heal someone on a Sabbath day, on our holy day. It's okay to have a big banquet, but it's not lawful to work. We know that from the commandments. And it's not lawful to heal. At least they said it wasn't. But the Scripture doesn't say it wasn't. It was their interpretation of the Scripture. And so Jesus says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. No one spoke. What's he going to do? Watch what he does. Then he took him, the man with dropsy, and he healed him and sent him away. And I, I really love this. Look how it's recorded by Luke. He healed him, and he sent him away. Matter of fact, he must have gotten up from the table, reached out and touched him, and healed him. Now, for him to be healed in front of all these guests at this banquet, for him to be healed of dropsy meant immediately his physiology changed. The swelling in his body just went down. Can you imagine what that would be like to see right before your very eyes this Bonafide, supernatural act of God. Dropsy is very visible. It's suddenly his body just returned to normalcy and he walked away. And then Jesus said to those at the table, his hosts, which of you having a son or an ox? You see, they immediately thought in their minds and he knew it that this was wrong. Healing on the Sabbath day is wrong. So understanding their thoughts, he says to them verbally out loud, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, this holy day, will not immediately pull him out? Each of you would have done what I've just done for this man with dropsy. If this was your ox, which is of great value to you, or even more valuable, your son or daughter. And they, they could not reply. To these things. Isn't that amazing? Well, what, what's happening right here? Well, um, what's happening here is their pride, their ego, if you will, their uh, lack of humility, their hatred for him pushed them to do things that were despicable. It's a despicable thing to invite someone to a wonderful banquet like this uh, when they're grotesquely ill and just to trap the, the guest of honor. Pride seems to push some people to behave with ungodly manners. And you know, we, we all do that. We all, because of our pride, we do things that we regret. The pride was so insensitive that they used a suffering man to trap Jesus. And that's what Luke wants us to know. They would use a suffering man to trap Jesus. That's how bad off these individuals were. These lawyers and religious leaders of the land. And then verse uh, 4 through 6 there where he actually heals him. Jesus healed another. He, he healed this guest uh, to show them that 
It's always good manners to help people in need. That's basically what he's trying to say. Doing right for someone in need is always good manners. Then he moves into the two parables. Now, listen carefully. The first parable here, verses 7 through 11, has to do with people who are invited to a gathering, to a party. The second one, down further, verses 12 through 14, has to do with people who are holding a party and you're inviting people to come. Now, you know for certain, don't you, that what Jesus is going to teach us here is on a physical plane, meaning it's about a banquet, it's about a party, it's about gatherings. But the real meaning is deeper. The real meaning is on a spiritual level. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So he says in verses 7 through 11, look at it with me. If you are invited to a gathering, to a party. Now, he told a parable to those sitting around the table, to those who were invited. Notice the emphasis there, to this party. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him, or by the host. And he who invited you both, you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin, then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place in the beginning, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher, come up here. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who, who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself, here's the spiritual principle, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is spiritual etiquette in a way. He's given us some do's and don'ts about uh, when you are invited to a gathering, to a party, to a get-together. So listen to him very quickly. So here's a, here's a don't. I, I get it out of this passage from verses 8 and 9. Don't measure your status by setting up a pecking order in your mind when you walk into a room. And you know we all do that. We, we walk into the room and we say, okay, and I, I mean, I do this. I, we walk in a room and say, okay, who's here? Okay, there's a doctor. There is a housewife. Oh, there, there's my best friend who's the hostess. So I'm, I'm obviously a guest of honor here because she's my best friend. There are well-educated people. There are people who have financial status. There are people here. And we just kind of, we automatically evaluate everyone who's in the room based on some kind of a status marker. We all do that. Avoid those mental gymnastics. Who has the most money, best education. You know, I read the other day uh, an interesting thing. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, during the Civil War, he was president of the United States, as you know, and um, he, he actually had a general, the general of the whole Un Union Army, the Army of the North, George McClellan. And one night, Lincoln wanted to talk to his general about the war because the war wasn't going well at the time for the North. He went to McClellan's house with his entourage. He was ushered into McClellan's house, into the library. McClellan knew he was there. The president of the United States was in his home. The president said, I'd like to have an audience with the general. The general went to bed. He went to bed. He did not see the president. The president eventually left late at night. The next day, someone asked him about it because they were offended for him. And he said, clearly, he said, look, 
General McMillan, uh, McClellan can treat me however he wants to treat me as long as he wins the war. And that's one of the reasons Lincoln was so popular. He was incredibly humble, even in the face of being dismissed, being shunned, if you will. And I thought, that is so interesting. Uh, Bill Hampton asked me, just before I left my office about 5.30 to come over here, he said, what are you speaking on tonight? I, well, I'm speaking on the parable of, of uh, Jesus at the banquet from Luke chapter 14. And he said, let me tell you a story. This just happened a little while ago. I was in... Um, Tajikistan. He's a mission, he was a missionary with his family for, I think, 12 years. And one time we were invited, Janie, his wife, and he were invited to a party. They came in the party, and there was a pretty good crowd there. And one of the friends of the hostess said, so glad you're here. They hugged him big time and said, I want you to sit over here. And they brought him into the room and sat them at the table. A couple minutes later, when everyone was in the room and beginning to be seated, the hostess, the one who threw the party, came over and said in front of everyone exactly what you see here. Wait a minute. You two are not supposed to be sitting here. Everyone heard it. Everyone heard it. You're supposed to be sitting over here. And she made them get up. And when it came time to seat them right then, there, was no seats, there were no seats left at the table. They sat under a speaker back in the, side of the, in the back part of the room, humiliated. Not their fault, actually, at all. But... He actually lived this out where he said it was one of the most humiliating evenings that someone seated us in the wrong place, not themselves, and then we were humiliated in front of everyone. That, that's sort of what's going on here, except he's saying don't seat yourself. Be careful when you come into a situation like this. And by the way, in verse 9 it says what's going to happen is you're going to be embarrassed. You're going to be invited to get up and move at some point. And society has a way, and then parties are just... I think our world has a knack for putting us down when we put ourselves in places like Jesus is mentioning here. Humbling us. Society has a way of humbling us, in my opinion. Here's the, so the, the don't is don't walk into a room and establish this mental pecking order in your mind about who's important here and who's not. Get it? Here's a do from this text. Here's what you should do. should uh, allow the host or hostess to put you where you should be. You ever done that before? Ever gone to a party and just waited till you were seated? Well, that's basically what Jesus is saying. Let, let the individual who invited you seat you. When Lynn and I go to parties, it's pretty often that's what happens to us. We, we get seated by the host or the hostess around the table. If it's a small table, it's no big deal. If it's a big crowd, it, you know, it's a pretty big deal. And you know, Jesus is not inconsistent here. He is, um, what I'd say, not a hypocrite. Listen to what uh, Paul writes about Jesus himself in Philippians chapter 2, which actually Ben preached on this last week. He says this, Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He refused, as God himself in human flesh, to take the seat of honor in this world. And then God exalted him. The text goes on and says, so he, he knows what he's talking about. So if you're invited to a party... Be careful. 
Now, what if you are actually having a party? Listen to this. Look at uh, verses 12 through 14. You're, you decided you're going to have a Christmas party. And he said also to the man who had invited him, the man who was the host, who had thrown this party. When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. Lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. That's interesting, isn't it? But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for all, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. What's he saying here? Well, this is spiritual etiquette for having your own get together this holiday season. Do this. Always check your motives when you're having a gathering. Isn't that interesting? Always check your motives. Why am I inviting her? Why am I inviting him? Now, at your age and your stage of life, and some of you, well, you're all professionals, but maybe at this point you're not thinking about status, but people my age think about status. And they say, you know, if we could get Pastor Ted and his wife Lynn to come, well, people would think that we're more spiritual than we are. Or if we could get the, that rich lawyer from downstairs, if we want to build our status in a community, how would we do it? It's who we invite to the party. Now, maybe you actually do that. Maybe you have a get-together at Super Bowl party, and you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to move up in the social status uh, in my world, so it, I make this list. That, that's something Jesus is speaking against right here, asking the question, why am I doing this? Now, celebrating uh, Super Bowl parties, parties where your friends come over. This is not what he's addressing. He's, he's really telling us, ask yourself the question, is that party list, does it have anything to do with status? Is anybody on there because you want to move up in this world? You want to move up in your status? You know, sometimes uh, people, I, I actually know people in our church, or I used to, who would give Christmas cards every year. But at the third year, if they didn't get a Christmas card back, they'd stop giving a Christmas card. Well, why were they sending them in the first place? To get one back. To be acknowledged by those individuals that, hey, I, I sat down and sent you a Christmas card with my family's picture on it. I'm expecting you to reciprocate. Uh, pay me back. Invite me to your Christmas party. Keep me involved with your life, so to speak. And then here's the don't. Yeah. Don't forget good manners. Good manners bring eternal rewards. Did you Look at what he says here in verse 14. And you will be blessed because these people, the poor, the needy, the blind, cannot repay you. But you know what? You will be repaid at the resurrection. I made these notes. I made these notes. If you want to be blessed, invite someone who cannot do a thing for you, can't pay you back, and may not even be popular. Proper etiquette reaches out to those who have nothing. Proper etiquette reaches out to people humbly. And God throws the best parties. Isn't that interesting? You know what he's really saying here? God throws the best parties, and he invites you. And you know what? You'd be the guest of honor, and you really shouldn't even be there. Shouldn't even be there. Now, what's he saying spiritually? And here's what I want you to hear me say, and, and I'll quit. There's really three things that speak to me in this, this pretty remarkable uh, 
two parables, really. And they're very obscure. You very seldom hear them preached or taught. But the three things are rather unique. Now, he goes from this table manners, from the party manners, etiquette, if you will, the heavens society of etiquette, to spiritual insights. And here's the first one. And be sure you get this, because this is really about humility and about pride. Pride, our pride, must be broken before God can use us. Do you know that? Your pride has got to be broken before God's going to really use you. And we all struggle with it. Uh, Chuck Colson died three years ago. Um, you probably don't remember who Chuck Colson was. You may be too young. But during the Great Watergate scandal many years ago, he was convicted of a lot of bad things and went to prison. And he, when he got out, he started the prison fellowship. There is now over 100 countries have a prison fellowship, ministries that go into the prisons and teach Jesus. He was not a Christian when he went to prison. He rejected God totally. He was an atheist, actually. In prison, he came to Christ. And he actually said, I've read it several times, I shudder to think what I'd be like if I hadn't gone to prison. It was in prison he met Jesus. In prison, he got his whole life turned around and became probably one of the most famous theologians and prison ministers in, well, in the history of Christianity. He was broken, and then God used him. That's what happened. So pride, it's got to be broken before God's going to use you. That's the point of this parable. The other point of this parable is, I think, equally meaningful. Advancement is always God's responsibility and never yours. Do you see that? You come sit up here. Advancement is God's responsibility, never yours. You've got a young career going, most likely. You're seeking, you're, maybe you're, you're finished, most of you finished school, but you're moving into a career in the future. Have you ever stopped to think about, you know, I can trust God. It's God's responsibility to move me up the ladder, not my own. It's God's responsibility. My responsibility is to trust Him one day at a time, walk with Jesus intimately, worship and care for Him, and do what's right. You know, it's always good manners to help people who are hurting, which is the first part of this parable. But it's God's responsibility to promote you. And I hope you can understand what I mean by that. I remember when I first married Lynn, speaking of pride, I first met Lynn, rather. Uh, we were at a camp. We met each other. She's from Chicago. I'm from Texas. Uh, I'm a couple years older than she is. Like, I'm 60 years older than you are, honey. Uh, and anyway, I, I just graduated from seminary. And I can still remember telling her that I just graduated from seminary and, I, I, and how big a deal that was. You know, I, I just graduated from seminary. And I stood there like, well, she's going to, you know, maybe worship me. Uh, but she didn't. And there was a sense of, inside me of real arrogance and not, no, no humility whatsoever. And uh, just watching how she responded as a young woman to me having, having this internal arrogance was really interesting. I learned a great lesson from her and I have throughout my, our ministry together in our lives. Uh, it's God's responsibility to build you up. Trust him to do that, would you? And the final thing here I see, at least in this parable, is in all dimensions of the Christian life, what's the way up? What's the way up? It's always down. It's always down. It's always humility. It's always sacrifice. It's always that. It's always that. So check your pride at the door. Love has good manners. Good manners. 
You know what? Uh, it, I made this note. Let me read it to you and I'll close. It's bad manners to reject the Lord's love for you. You know that? It's bad manners to reject the Lord's love for you. Pride could cost you an invitation to a really important party someday. <laughs> that party is a party. He says in the last part of verse 14, at the resurrection, the resurrection of the just. This parable is about manners. And manners always center around good manners, center around humility. That's according to the Heaven Society of Good Etiquette. Listen carefully, okay? Let me pray for us. Well, Father, thank you for the great privilege of just uh, teaching your word. I never would have dreamt I'd have this opportunity in my life. And I know in this room you have some men and women that you want to do wonderful things with. And I know they've heard exactly what your word says tonight. That the way up is down. Thank you, Jesus, for illustrating that for us. I know, Lord, the best models in our church are men and women who aren't power-hungry and manipulative, but they're men and women of of Christ-like character who sacrifice and love and in gentleness care for each other. And you've lifted them up and made them great men and women. Keep us from bad manners, Lord. Break us from our bad habits. Let us walk in humility. And I pray this, Christ, in your name. Amen. We hope this was a blessing to you. No matter where you are at in your spiritual journey, in your walk with Jesus, uh, we hope that you hear and see and have eyes to see and ears to hear uh, that what it looks like is there has to be a level of humility and surrender of us laying down our own lives, us laying down our pride to follow this God who is worth following. Um, We hope that that's playing out in your life as well as in our own life. It is a, a constant battle, that sanctification process of how do I lay myself down and humble myself and follow this King who is worth our life. We'd love to walk with you in that process. If you don't have community, especially, we'd love to be community around you, especially if you're in the Fort Worth area. So look us up, uh, renovatefw.org, connect with us. We'd love to be a blessing however we can. God bless.